Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris and we're here indoors because it is howling a gale. Um, and uh, well, we've had our annual rainfall in uh, one night <laughs> up here in Sydney, but I believe it's uh, even more intense in Melbourne. Welcome to the podcast today. Uh, just a few, a little bit of homework before we begin. Um, I've switched over mostly on the Spotify account to uh, my spoken voice on the podcasts. A lot of them now are actual short videos, um, but you don't have to watch the videos because on the Spotify it loads up just the audio of the video um, on the uh, blog, on the website, on innerwealth.com or chriswalker.com.au, whichever you prefer. Um, the the blogs are the videos. So, um, and I also have a Vimeo account. I think it's Chris Walker Inner Wealth. And um, there is a collection of those videos starting to mount up there. I also have a Loom account where you can actually go and watch the videos. So look, there's plenty of places where the videos are being loaded. There's plenty of places where the audio is being loaded. And lucky you, it's now my voice. So for those of you who are loyal to this podcast, I just want to remind you that the other podcast, the one on Spotify, is um, usually completely different to this. So, um, and, and now that one is also um, my voice. So the particular purpose of this uh, podcast is a little bit f more free flowing and um, we just talk to topic um, without any notes. Usually it's outdoors, but when the wind is so strong, you wouldn't hear a single word for the blowing in the microphone. Today was hilarious. I was up on uh, Ben Buckler on the cliff. We were looking out to see there were dolphins jumping. There was a seal playing on the rocks. We we're looking down and it was just so magnificent. And suddenly I felt this sort of cold chill down the back of my uh, neck. And I turned around to see the huge great big thunderclouds heading our way with a bucket of rain going to come and so we had to do a little sprint to get out of the uh, remoteness of Ben Buckler and get down towards where we could have taken shelter um, if we needed it. It's funny how when you turn your back on something and it can creep up on you and I think one of the things about being uh, a visionary in the world is that you don't want to be blinded. You don't want to be blindsided. So Blindsided, typically like we were this morning, is you get absorbed by something, so mesmerized by it, you're either over, over, um, uh, over attracted to it, which means um, infatuated, or you're over painful by it and you want to fix it. So you get sort of distracted by your emotions because those, both of those things, infatuated, that's emotion, and painful, that's an emotion. And so being able to step back from something far enough to be able to run it without being blindsided by it is about taking control. And it's ultimately about self-mastery, which is what this is all about. Stepping back is not always easy because we kind of like have the feeling that if we step back from something, we're detaching. And we have a feeling that detachment is unfair that it's um, it's uh, not engaged but l let's just talk about growing up 
When we're a child, attaching ourselves to how well we jump over the hurdle or how fast we run or how good our school results were, attaching ourselves to those things was how we earned approval from our parents and school teachers and the world at large. We said, I am the results of what I do. Uh, there was little or no concern so much with process except we knew that doing our homework would get us good results, uh, attending the footy training would get us in the footy team. We knew that there was some form of um, process that led to results, but the main interest we had was validation. We wanted to be loved because we felt like if we achieved something, we would get patted on the head by our parents and we called that love. We called being criticized, we called being told we didn't make it or losing the battle or not doing good enough, we called that unworthy of love. And that's understandable because that's the way children grow up and develop an ego which is strong enough to take them through into their um, late teens or early uh, university years, I suppose, or early um, 20s. In which time, typically, we would get infatuated with another human being. That infatuation would always lead to pregnancy and we would start a family. And the world went on happily ever after because of that. This uh, paradigm of getting infatuated was how the world was built by religious people because basically they said, if you infatuate with God, um, we can motivate you to stay good. We can motivate you to stay uh, in, a, in a certain operating condition and every dark side of yourself we will call sin. If you express it, if you feel it, that's one thing. But if you express it, you're going to go to hell. So there was an acceptance that you could, if you needed to, feel bad or feel angry or feel painful or feel like you wanted to do harm. Don't express it because you'll go to hell. Repress it, keep it in there, stick it inside yourself and take it Take the good side of yourself and bring it out, bring it to the public, bring it to church, bring it to school, bring it to synagogue, whatever you want to do, bring it. Uh, what we suddenly started to explore as time went on from this 2000 year old brainwashing process that went on to inculcate everybody into the thought that there is a good side of life, a bad side of life, we needed to stay on the good side. And if we went to the bad side, we were very naughty and unlovable. What started to get caught up in all this was the idea that um, some of this stuff we swallowed about the dark side of our thoughts that was worthy of sin and going to hell and burning for the rest of eternity. Some of those things that, that swallowing um, caused illness. And so there started to be a link between the things we didn't like about ourselves, the things we judged about ourselves, the things we repressed about ourselves, the things we stored up about ourselves and sickness. Now that sickness wasn't just physical. For example, a priest rep repressing their sexuality because the church said they can't marry, end up expressing it sick in a sick way with a child. And so sickness uh, is not just uh, uh, physiological. It became behavioral and it became mental. And so we start to look at people who've got depression or get overwhelmed really easy and all they've got is elation and depression. They've got a one-sided polarized view of themselves. They've got a reality which in, includes themselves. Some of the stuff that they include in themselves is not worthy of love in their opinion and therefore they get depressed. And so people will say, I'm clinically depressed. I don't agree. 
I would say you have the habit of thinking a certain way that causes you depression and you can change that if you choose or you can choose to keep finding people that, um, that will enable you to tell how bad life is and how much a victim you are and how elated you'd be if it were all solved, but you can't solve it because you're not the cause of it, somebody else is, which is a catch-22, as you can well imagine. So breaking out of this kind of uh, religious indoctrination that's taken place for the last 2,000 years ain't so easy because every psychologist is, is, has bought into it because they are trying to fix a, fix a pain and make it a pleasure. Every psychotherapy process has bought into it. Something's wrong, I'm gonna fix it. They've all bought into the same uh, paradigm that's been driven by religion. Motivators are, 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 are do the same. If I motivate you to move somewhere, everything will be different, but it doesn't. And it doesn't work. It works to save people from self-destruction. So I think at, a very, at the very base of our human condition, we need someone to listen. We need someone to support us. We need someone uh, on, on our team because below it, below that level, we would start to self-destruct. And I think therefore, I really respect the need in the world for therapy and counseling and psychology. But if you're at the not in a sickness, if you are all you have, is a bad habit of following the paradoxes of religions and, and, and mind uh, washing that's gone on in the past, and you want to shift that, well, that's not sick. That's just buying the wrong product from the supermarket, and you need to go to the right supermarket and buy the right product. I'm not suggesting for one minute that I'm the purveyor of the right product. What I'm suggesting is that you need to search for something that hasn't been messed with, mucked with, turned around, changed, added to a book, written about, stolen, turned into religion, turned into a cult, turned into a faith, turned into a belief pattern, sold in an MBA, blah, blah, blah. You need to find something that hasn't been messed with by human beings. And that's why I would suggest really strongly nature. Now, nature hasn't been messed with by human beings, even though they've chopped it, burnt it, uh, polluted it, sucked fish out of it. Even though we have played with nature, nature hasn't changed. It might change the way it looks. It might change how much it produces. It might change how much shade we've got in our houses. It might change the amount of rainfall or the amount of sunlight we have, but it hasn't changed. What hasn't changed? Well, nature is nature. Nature obeys certain principles. Those principles that nature obeys, that keeps nature nature, are the same principles of you. You are nature. You think nature, you believe nature, you live nature, you are nature. You're not separate to nature. It's not you uh, over here and nature over there. That's a ridiculous notion. How could you think that? How could you ever think that? Even if you're driving a Tesla down the street, sitting behind an electric car, not making any noise, not doing any pollution, you are nature. Or whether you're driving a Mack truck with the biggest old diesel smelly engine, burning fuel, making the atmosphere polluted, you are nature. We are all nature. And when we think in harmony with nature, we kind of like get it. And we go, oh yeah, I remember that. Do you remember it from last year? No. Do you remember it from 10 years ago? No. Do you remember it from 50 years ago? No. You probably remember it from the core of your original primal birthright thousands of years ago, or maybe not. 
I don't know. But the bottom line is, when we start thinking and speaking and acting in tune with nature, instead of trying to fight it, we end up in a good place. Now, interestingly, one of the things that the 30-day challenge, which is the introductory program to coaching, is meant to teach people is gratitude. But come to the end of it, some people are ungrateful for the 30-day challenge because they wanted more or they needed more or they felt like more would be better. And so it, it has become apparent to me that not every person is willing to learn what the 30-day challenge was willing to say, which is this. Every single thing that ever happens to any human being at any particular point in their life, at any particular point in the day, can be said thank you to. We need to count our blessings. Now that doesn't mean walking around inside ourselves going, lucky me, lucky me, lucky me. It starts there, but it's not about that. The reason that we do the 30-day challenge is for others. We do the 30-day challenge so that we can communicate and create a world that's better for others. We never do it for ourselves. Ultimately, the only reason we work on ourselves is so that we know ourselves well enough to relax in ourselves well enough to speak the truth from ourselves well enough so that others benefit. Now, if we're doing the 30-day challenge because poor old me, 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 I, my, I want, I want, I want, then it's kind of like a trap, isn't it? And so I've decided and I've made a very big decision not to do the 30-day challenge anymore based on the response of a couple of people I've put through. I'm going to do it one-on-one with Chris. So it's changing shape. All the content will be the same, but I'll deliver that content by hand rather than by remote videos and by remote audios. So as of the end of this week, there will be no more videos, audios, or anything to do with the 30-day challenge restricted from view from the public. It will go public. And I've done this a few times in the past before, but I think what I've got to do is step people through the process of learning the back on track, of learning VIP, of learning the helicopter mindset, of learning the pig poo boots, because each of those process arrives at a point of gratitude. Now, everything in life, if we appeal to the word gratitude, turns in gratitude for something, gratitude for something. And that means we start to get the idea that the purpose of our life is not narcissism. The purpose of our life is not how I feel. It's hard to do good if we don't feel good, but the only reason we want to feel good is so we can do good for others. And that is the essence of the 30-day challenge. So I'm making a big change. We're dropping the price of the 30-day challenge from $2,300 from a massive package of volume of information down to 1,200 bucks, two consults a week, all the way through to the end of 30 days. And if a person wants to continue or needs to continue, they book another 30 days and another $1,200. So even two months working hand to hand, I can take people through the 30-day challenge rather than dumping this great big body of knowledge on them where they might not be grateful for all the things they do in it. And therefore I can have a checklist and work them through. So that's a big shift for me, a big add add on to the volume of work I do in in a week, but I really think it's an essential evolution in the 30-day challenge. And it's an essential evolution to help people more and uh, by being more involved and engaged rather than trying to systematize and robotize 
the process with automation. Now that goes against everything that I teach, doesn't it? Because I say get more done in less time and here I'm getting less done in more time. But quality control comes first. And quality control, when you organize, supervise, deputize, I organize the work and that's being done over and over again, reorganizing it. I supervise it, meaning I put it out on a 30-day challenge online and see how it goes, and that pushes me back to reorganize it. And so this is just an evolution in the reorganization. Ultimately, I believe I can get people through the 30-day challenge to the other end of it, not in necessarily in 30 days, but certainly for less money than they were investing before and with a better result by being a little bit more focused in the targeting of what they learn and when they learn it. So that's it for today. I hope this has been a great uh, podcast for you. If it has, share it around. Um, we're out there building more gratitude in the world. We're out there uh, doing self-mastery so that we can give more, uh, share more, and celebrate life more with the teams and the people around us. If you're not grateful for it, it's your problem you can change your problem. If you're not grateful for it and you blame somebody else, you can't fix it and then it becomes everybody's problem. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.